0: Good morning, everyone, from the darkness to the <laughs> is office hours. Uh, you got to love uh, these lights here. There we go. Welcome, everybody, to Office Hours, and I'm joined by my amazing mentor, friend, and co-host, Blaine Bartlett. BlaineBartlett.com is where you reach It, it does some amazing things to impact and change your life. Welcome, my friend. How are you? I'm doing really well. Been doing
1: really well. Last been a busy couple of last days. Yeah, <clears throat> wow, last days.
0: Really. It's been a long, long month this week already. I know you've been all over the world this month. Yeah. Uh, what uh, was the most exciting thing that you've had on your plate there in October as we enter November?
1: Well, in October, we were in Africa. Uh, we, meaning my wife and I, with the foundation that you and I both are on the board of. Uh, looking at uh, in, you know, site visits on the projects that we're uh, doing there, just an extraordinary experience. Absolutely. These guys are just rocking over there. And, uh, you know, we're touching, as you know, uh, over a half a million people a day with uh, the work that we're doing on this, uh, you know, the, 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 with this foundation and the Unstoppable Foundation, unstoppablefoundation.org.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was like, why are we hiding the ball? It's the unstoppable foundation.org. And we're going to bring on our uh, first friend here, Scott Donalds, a friend of mine. He's an author, <coughs> founder, and podcaster. In fact, I just found out I hadn't even been on uh, the Smart Money Parroting Podcast. He probably was afraid to have me on, considering <laughs> uh, people ask me, you know, how the hell did you lose over a million dollars? And I tell them I was financially illiterate, although I was educated. Law school, business school, undergraduate, did academically extremely well. I'm just amazed not only how many children, Scott, are financially illiterate, uh, but how many parents, uh, which probably even the bigger problem is financially illiterate. Everything that you do from your books to your podcast to your company are based off of the banking for kids and teens and their parents. Founder yep. of Gravy Snack, which I'm heavily... I am involved in that.
2: Uh, welcome to Office Hour, Scott. Good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Blaine, nice to meet you. You as Good well, God. Scott. I've what heard a lot going.
1: about you and what you're up to. So I'm I'm thrilled to be able to have a conversation with you about this.
2: Wake up, destroy hell, love people. <laughs> Simple as that.
3: <laughs>
0: there you go.
2: Love people, create peace.
0: And you know how big of a problem is. And, and you know, we, we think at the surface <laughs> financial literacy is a problem, yeah. but It leads to disease. It leads to criminal behavior. It it leads to suicide, depression. Uh, There's so many things that people don't realize that because of our lack of financial literacy and empowerment financially, almost every problem is relative to our financial position and the stresses, stresses, disease that it causes. What are you doing to gamify uh, this so that people, kids, teens, and even parents can learn how to make more money, help more people and save some lives.
2: Yeah. So, you know, money is kind of like one of those dominoes. Like if you don't get it or understand it, it knocks down a whole bunch of other dominoes in your life in the wrong direction. And so, you know, with us, I don't know if you know this, the quick stats, but less than one in four Gen Z is financially, um, sound in their early 20s, early to mid 20s. They, they're not financially independent. Less than one in four 25-year-olds passes a basic money test. Like Blaine, here's $100 and there's 2% interest. Next year, do you have more money, less money or the same or you don't know? Like that's the kind of questions that they don't know. Yeah. So Accounting for then, inflation, I'm I'm, I'm broke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's just a big issue. And, you know, schools... It's not only that schools aren't teaching it. It's that schools can't teach this. You, you can't homework money. Yeah. That, it, it, by that rule, Dave, David, we could play, you and I could play Monopoly and we'd both be real estate billionaires the next day. You can't homework money. You have to earn it. You have to create value first. That's our book, <laughs> by kid. You create value, then you learn how to earn money, then you learn how to manage the money. Like Unless you earn it first and feel that pain and feel like the, ne- the necessity of like, creating value for somebody else, then you're never going to spend it, save it, or share it, or invest it wisely, right? And you can't teach a kid how to budget just by giving them a piece of paper at school and say, here's debits, here's credits, there, you're set for life. A kid will only budget and plan ahead when they have expenses that they're in charge of that mom and dad give them, right? Mm-hmm. They need a motive to earn. Um, and that's why we do gravy stack, right? That's why you've been a part of this thing. We want to be, we, we, we have a new term. We want to be the gigs capital of the world. Um, we want to help kids learn financial skills through, through a bank. That's a game. So it's a real bank with a real debit card, with a save, spend, share, and investing accounts. And then ways for kids to earn money around the house, around the neighborhood, starting their first run of products, flipping assets in the garage, Canceling subscriptions for mom and dad as a gig, getting coupons for the grocery run, playing the next family trip on a budget, eating in versus eating out and calculating the difference of savings, and a and hundred other gigs around the house that help them learn and cover their own expenses that parents systematically start handing over to them. That's the game. You do that, you learn everything. You learn budgeting, planning ahead, goal setting, price of goods, trade-offs, you get kids creating value. Now they're not worried about the future. So you get rid of the spoiling and entitlement and laziness and anxiety, victimhood gone. So anyway, uh, that's, it's, a it's a it's domino.
1: It's a domino. It's a domino. Yeah, I do a, a fair amount of work with family offices, and you know, it's yeah, you know, basically, it's wealth transition. Yeah, how do we move it from one gen to the next gen? And there's a fascinating notion there around uh, entitlement. Yeah, oftentimes it comes into play here, and there's yep. also this orientation around well, we've got you know in the inheriting generation, yeah, we've got this money. Let's go spend it. Let's go spend yeah. it. And yeah. yeah, that whole notion of yeah, wealth is meant to create value. And I love the way that you're positioning that, Scott. I mean, yeah, that value creation dynamic. Um, I've got a question here and it's it's really a practical question that, that I've been curious about since I saw uh, what you're doing with this you you set up a, a real live bank account with these uh, these these uh, kids and whatnot how how difficult was it to get commercial or not commercial but just to get banks yeah you know, to uh, to actually go along with this because that's got to be outside of their business model
2: <laughs> it's kind of like what are you trying to do here you know uh, entrepreneurship is, basically chewing on glass and staring into the abyss we (laughs) we are we are uh, it was crazy i mean we this is at least a hundred times harder than we estimated yeah just going through the banks getting this all set up we've had over 1500 iterations of the app now as we learn from families like we are obsessed on this with our our team (laughs) and we we want to be the world's go-to place for kids learn money skills and it's been tough banks you know, b- traditional banks, uh, I come from a banking family. Um, I come from four generations, by the way, of mega wealth. My grandpa was, uh, they started Interwest Bank, largest okay. small business bank in the country, sold yeah. to Wells Fargo for a billion too. He was Ronald Reagan's bank chair. He and my dad built the company. And they put the whole thing in a charitable trust for widows and orphans. And I couldn't be more thankful. Yeah and if you see if you look at the stats cuz i'm i'm the go to expert in financial literacy now 90% of generational wealth transfers gone by the grandkids and what yep. i yep. wanted to study was what's underneath that number what's underneath that number is divorce estrangement of kids mental mm-hmm. health issues addiction a lot of addiction drugs alcohol violence you get lottery ticket kids. You get imposter syndrome. They live in mom and dad's shadow. And they and and I think if you boil it all down, they lose the value creation drive. Exactly. And so when that happens, it's like when you give a kid a participation trophy, they don't want that trophy. They didn't earn the trophy. So for for our family, it's it's we believe and this is what we teach in our workshops and for gravy stack Heritage is more important than inheritance. Mm -hmm. Passing on the skills, right? That's what's critical here. Like if you look biblically for a second, they passed on land, right? As the inheritance, right? And inheritance biblically is that's the idea because you need your kids to run the land, work the land to survive, you know? Cattle, you know, crops, whatever it would be. But if you actually look at the the translations and you look at the, the Greek roots and the Hebrew roots, that translated today means a last name that means something. It means passing on the skills, the education, the communication, the deep connection in the family for kids to go off into the world and use those skill sets and mindsets to create more value. I think that's the modern day inheritance. So what we, what we try to teach is, hey, use inheritance to really build heritage in your family, right? Right. And the more we can do that, it doesn't mean you give them nothing, right? Like we work with the Green family, the Hobby Lobby family, Bill Hyde. Like we really, we've studied legacy now for many, many years. Um, and I think that's the most important thing that we're seeing here is that families, first generation wealth families, you know, they finally made it. I come from crazy, from, from rags to riches. I'm covering my bills. I'm doing well, I'm making six figures or more. Well, the first thing they say is I want my kids not have to deal with what I had to deal with. Yeah. I want to give them all the things I never had. I want to make sure they don't have to deal. You know, I want them to give all the opportunities I never had. And they don't realize what that if they make a bunch of decisions going in that direction, they'll, they'll slowly entitle and spoil. Mm-hmm. And so that's really why we're, we're doing this, because we got to get this right with families. We want to keep them together and keep them strong.
0: Yeah. Gravy Stack is uh, doing that in every realm, which is why I'm proud to be part of it with uh, Scott. And we had to bring Blaine into the fold. Let's uh, do a couple swaps of content. Let's get you on the TV show. Uh, Blaine and I, uh, we would love to do more to amplify the message of financial literacy and the impact that it has. Everybody check out Scott Donnell gravy stack.com check out his podcast smart money parenting his book the value creation kid there's so much to uh travel thanks for joining us scott we'll see you soon
2: thanks, thanks again. scott
0: take care appreciate you guys take- love what you're doing appreciate you
1: i love that heritage awesome. heritage yeah.
0: heritage not inheritance yeah. uh speaking of inheritance uh we have our friend coming waiting in wings welcome william van der he is the ceo founder of vander bloemen search group in Hume texts uh thanks for joining us
3: hey thanks for having me david what a fascinating interview that was
1: wasn't that just cool yeah I mean,
3: oh my goodness yes we we do a ton of uh, this soft topic but we do a ton of succession planning and oftentimes it's family succession planning and uh, there's a great book that we should get in scott's hands uh, it's called the dirty little secret about family business and it's all about family succession it's there are very few uh, families that have made it past that third gen
1: that's true yeah.
0: yeah yeah it is so true and the rockefellers in their family bank philosophy is only one way in which to uh secure that heritage uh, and inheritance compared to, we to work America. a while back
3: for a rescue mission finding a ceo and I uh, got to know just, just a little bit, the Smuckers family. And they're like fifth generation. It's a public yeah. company, but they're still involved in running it. And I, I think that's the oldest one I've found that's really made it a long time. Yeah. I've had a chance to
1: interact with. Yeah, I'm working with yeah. one right now that's going into the fifth gen. And they're still operating the company as well. Or companies, plural. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's And a lot, of a, hire blame. Is. a lot of people
0: hire bling. A lot of people hire bling for those family offices because... He was around when the first generation formulated the business. And <laughs> yeah, the yeah.
1: John B. and I are good. To, yeah, we were real tight. <laughs> the,
0: the Kraft family, the Hunt family, they're, they're all in with the you know, <laughs> beyond his genius. Uh, uh, but, you know, I, I really uh, am excited about your new book coming out. And I think yeah. it comes out mid-November yeah. in a couple of weeks. Uh, Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. Um, you know, I want to take a step, uh, before the data driven habits and ask, uh, you know, what is it that defines best leader so that then we can kind of unravel data driven habits, uh, to perform. But I think it's important for people to understand how you define a best leader because yeah. so many people have different, uh, perceptions of leadership.
3: Great question. I, uh, you know, this is the fifth book I've written, and every time it's just—it's not a lot of fun. Uh, I don't like getting the book out of me. It's you not. should write
0: a book with Blaine. No, no, you should write a book with Blaine. It's super fun. He writes the whole thing and then just asks you questions to tell stories. And I love—I um, write a hundred books with Blaine. It was so easy. Yeah. So we have seven kids. So I've been in the labor and delivery. That's not room easy. A lot. Seven yeah. kids, not seven easy. Seven
3: kids. So I've, been, uh, I've been in a lot of labor and delivery rooms. Never actually given birth, but watching what my wife goes through, um, that's what it feels like to write a book. Now, I'm, I just got in trouble with half of your listeners. I'm not equating the two. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but there's got to be something in me that needs to get out for it to be a book. And for <clears throat> me, it was a question. And the question was, David, I, you, you've had this happen. It doesn't happen often to me, but you meet somebody and within five minutes, you're like, this one's different. Mm-hmm. This one's winner. And it doesn't happen often. And when I was younger, I would make the mistake of saying, I need to hire them. <laughs> That's not a good idea. But like the question in my bones is you know, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm also not the most gullible. So, how in five minutes is somebody capturing me like that, where I want to sign up for their fan club and all? And then how do they actually perform? The flip side has become Another question for me, how is it that I can sit down with someone who's an absolute winner and they're so quiet and humble that they fly right by me and and I don't, it doesn't hit radar, right? Mm -hmm. So that I've always kind of wondered that. And then we had a pandemic and you know, (laughs) our, our sector that we serve, every one of our clients closed indefinitely during the pandemic. So, you know, I didn't go to business school but I learned a business lesson. If all of your clients close indefinitely, your calendar frees up a good bit.
0: <laughs> you noticed
3: <laughs> <So>, that, huh? <laughs> so we, we had a chance to step back and look at some of the work we've been doing. We've grown every year. And uh, we realized in our searches, when you get down to the very end of a search, the very best people, maybe eight or ten, eight or ten a search, get an in-person, long format, face-to-face interview. Three hours or so long. And it's they vary. It's not a cookie cutter, but there is a rhythm to them. They're similar. We've tracked those for a long time, and we realized during the pandemic we've now done thirty thousand of those long format face to face interviews. And there's probably some patterns we can learn. What if we could figure out how to spot that winner in five minutes? That would help us do something better, right? Help our clients. What we found was. there are habits that the very best of the best exhibit that's not just in that first five minutes, but but is in their job performance and how they create value and they get promoted and they move on. And, and so we were able to track the very best people we've ever interviewed and then say, what do they have in common? And, and the answer I thought would be fabulous hair and shiny teeth or really high IQs or got to go to a great school or just as simple as uh, he was the quarterback, she was the head cheerleader, right? It is it, none of that. It was simple human to human habits that are very common among what we call these unicorns and incredibly uncommon among the rest of us. Mm-hmm. It, it, the list of habits itself is fairly intuitive. I, I kid people and say, I almost titled this book. So I guess mom was right. Cause yeah. <laughs> a lot of the things she was t- teaching me are actually what, The data reveals are the things that separate the best from the rest. So when we got done, we set out selfishly to kind of figure out how to do our job better. But what we found was actually now we're not just spotting unicorns. We've found a map to teach people to become one. And we need to make that a resource that people can have. So rather than worry about our own business, like let's get this in other people's hands. We were going to do just like an ebook and give it away. But we had (laughs) publishers say, no, 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 no. You can spread it farther if you do it through a book route. So off we went.
1: That's great. You know, as I you know, listen to you here, William, but also just as you know, just kind of reviewing you know, the cliff note I've got on the book, it strikes me that what you've just you know, uncovered here uh, is these unicorns as you're, as you're calling them, are it, it's not about what do they do. It's about how they be, how they're, their state of being That's that right. translates into the kinds of activities that you're saying you know, sets them apart from others. Um, and I know that you've got 12 traits here, but is there any one of them that seems to stand out as a state of being marker?
3: That... Yeah, yeah. Well, what a great question. I think uh, so I have my favorites, um, but I think this the, maybe the most essential one is self-awareness. Mm-hmm. And I think that might speak to this state of being. right? And the funny thing is we polled the unicorns. And we, we did a survey and we're like, how would you rank yourself in each of these? And you kind of force rank where you are in each of these 12 habits once we had them identified. Self-awareness was the least common habit among the unicorns. OK, so then we spread out. We dropped back and said, why don't we survey a bunch of people, see what they think about themselves? And we surveyed a quarter million people and tracked the results. We hired a statistician and researcher and did it the right way. And it was amazing what we found out. It was a long survey, amazing people responded, but they did. And one of the things we asked is for each of these 12 habits, we had a one to five, like three is normal, five is very above average, four is above, you, you can do, mm-hmm. do the math. So we asked on each of the 12 habits, where would you rank yourself? Self-awareness, least common trait among all the unicorns. <laughs> the general public, 93% of everybody surveyed said, I'm above average in self-awareness. <laughs> now I'm not I'm not a mathematician, but ninety three percent of any group is not just above average. Yeah, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure it's fifty percent. <laughs> so it's not only the least common trait, this state of being and self awareness. It's the biggest blind spot for people. Mm-hmm. So it, it it led us when we Absolutely started seeing these true. things. Like, the book is great. We also need to develop a software tool where people can self-assess, see how they measure against gen pop and how they measure against unicorns so they can get a development map and figure out what to work on first and how to become a better team.
0: Yeah. And I, I think love when you find those people that don't think they're self-aware, humility would rank up very high because those are the people that know what they don't know. And it's actually a sign of self-awareness to not know what we don't know and to admit that we don't know what we don't know regardless of our success. And William, you've been exploring uh, those habits and now you have the data after 30,000 or more face-to-face interviews in order to effectuate a recipe for a unicorn uh, to be our best selves, to be our finest selves, to be our higher selves, to be intelligent followers, to lead others through our example. Uh, we need more conversation and more of you, so please come back. We have other shows. I know Blaine has two new, two new guests on his list. Uh, for his <laughs> podcast uh, already, two for two, uh, and we, we appreciate what you're doing. Everybody, November 14th, Be the Unicorn, 12 Data-Driven Habits That Separate the Best Leaders from the Rest. It's a must-read or a must-listen. Go ahead to vanderbloomen.com. Thank you for joining us, William.
3: Yeah, and and Dave, thanks for having me in case people didn't get the spelling of Vanderblumen. my name is so yeah, up. Right? <laughs> no, hey. really. this, this is the only reason that we named the company after me. My name is so messed up. You can misspell it into Google a hundred different ways and you'll end up that. So just try <laughs> it ends up right back here.
0: It's a great <laughs> Dutch name. That's so good. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if they can't spell Meltzer, like Seltzer with an M they're going to have trouble with Vanderblumen. But uh, thank you so much. We'll see you soon.
3: Thanks man. Appreciate you having Thanks, me. Bye.
0: Appreciate you. All right, we're two for two, but I guarantee mm-hmm. the cleanup awesome. hitter today will knock it out of the park. Lauren Goldstein is here, CEO, founder of Golden Key Partnerships. Welcome to Office Hours.
1: The
4: hello, biz thanks for having me again. Yes, hello, yes. good morning. Good to have
0: you back. Uh, yeah, the biz doc. No, oh, I swear I've been on your podcast. Is that correct? They're saying I haven't been on your podcast.
4: You have not, but we are getting you scheduled. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we are we are in talks. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. you know hey, when I when me, I pick me pick me
0: pick me. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Blaine and I will be there. Um, but when you know w- when I think of the biz doctor and I think of Lauren, I think of obese. You know, it's uh kind of look business is difficult, and I don't want to blow sunshine up your backside and tell you rah rah ha ha you're gonna do it and make it when most people don't. Uh, but we need to know the disease in order to have the cure. And when I listen to your podcast, although I thought I was on listening to myself, uh, <laughs> I see someone who's examining the disease of being a business or of running a business, of growing and scaling a business. Uh, but it's difficult to tell the truth. What mm-hmm. are some of the things that you've learned in order to articulate the difficult conversations? of pointing out where a business has, you know, I equated to, and I can't do this. If I was a doctor, Hey, sorry, you have cancer and you have six months to live. That's pretty much the conversation I have with most business owners. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And
0: I find it almost as difficult, uh, because that's at least their baby, if not their self identity.
2: hmm
4: yeah. It's, um, and that's actually how I got the nickname because many years ago i went had a client go through a diagnostic and he basically was like oh that was so brutal i feel like you put my business in an mri machine and said <laughs> here's the cancer you're the biz doc you know that was tough hard truth and <laughs> over the years what i've learned is entrepreneurs want to know what to do but they don't want to be told what to do and so it's a conversation and a partnership of of really coming back to what is the vision for your business what are you committed to and and showing them what is going to happen if they continue not addressing the the red flags the yellow flags and versus what it's going to look like and the kind of life that they're going to have with their business and life outside of their business if they do address it and and asking permission, which is kind of how we onboard as, you know, I very upfront and I said some things you might have a feeling that you're going to like that aren't working and you're going to know like, oh, okay. I actually feel relieved that I thought this was wrong and I confirmed it. And then there's going to be probably some surprises, but ultimately it's designed so that we can get to the root cause and get you out from underneath your business. And I think as long as you come from a of standpoint of like not blame because most of us started our businesses and just got after it. And so it you were doing the best you could. And so recognizing that, celebrating the good things going on in the business and then saying, and now these are the things that we get to address to really bring your business to a healthy, sustainable state moving forward.
1: You know, most of the work that you do, Lauren, is with service. Providers, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's an interesting niche um, in one sense, because it's usually uh, about, um, you know, and I put this in the context of value. It's different than a hard product. It's there's a Mm -hmm. service that I'm being and I'm and I'm really intimately connected to Mm -hmm. that service because that's why I founded my business. I mean, in my consulting firm. And I know, David, this is true for you as well. Um, the, the, you know, when David and I you know, did this Thursday office hours, originally it was called this, you know, it was the soul of business edition. We do, you know, mm-hmm. there's, the, there's three different shows that are office hour
0: shows in, in, in addition to the TV one,
1: the soul
0: of business edition. We just don't put it on there for some We reason. just don't <laughs> put it on there. Yeah, I think that's
1: true. Yeah, we don't, we don't market it as such. Um, but the idea here of the soul of business <laughs> in, in, in work that I do, that, that the disconnect from the soul. Of the business is where the toxicity begins to creep in, and the loss of passion and the loss mm-hmm. of—now you that's my assessment. Does that seem to match your experience with the with the clients that you work with? They've become disconnected with what that founding spark actually was.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you pretty much hit the nail on the head because they think to your point when we start our business we know we can solve a problem we're passionate about it and then mm-hmm. the business barnacles just start accumulating accumulating oh, whether yes <laughs> mm. mm. yeah, so please use it uh whether it's bad habits or mishires or running around like a chicken with your head cut off being chief everything officer instead of having a proactive strategic business and so I've seen so much and that's really the work that i do is where they're basically on the verge of burnout and like if they put if somebody puts another thing on their plate they're just gonna burn the whole thing down and it's because they haven't mastered that shift of reactivity to proactivity mm-hmm. and getting out of operator into owner so they can get back <laughs> to the work that they really love doing instead of the management minutiae which is necessary probably should be done by someone else unless that's your superpower
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it does take a great joy to have that superpower and one of your superpowers is coming in as interim ceo uh, or COO to Mm -hmm. help facilitate giving a guidance to what that role should be and getting people in order and structured so that an owner can be an owner and work on the business not in the business and the value Mm -hmm. of that as you're working with seven figure entrepreneurs uh, can quickly accelerate it to an eight or nine figure business by mm-hmm. just extending out a different perspective. And I know uh, you are one of the best in the world at that. That's why we reach out to Golden Key Partnerships, uh, goldenkeypartnership.com. Lauren Goldstein, utilize her. She's the biz doctor. Check out the biz doctor podcast. You'll see being on sooner enough, and hopefully I'll be on there as well. And you'll yeah. see Lauren on our shows, more of our shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need more of the doctor the doctor's in the house. Reach out to her, she's amazing. Thanks for joining us, Lauren.
4: Thanks for having me. Thanks, Lauren. Bye. Great job. Bye-bye.
0: All right, my friend, once again, it's so nice to get back on schedule. You know, one of the things that I loved about uh, being at home all the time, I didn't like the reason I was home all the time, but I liked being home all the time was that I just felt a great rhythm uh, with certain relationships, especially my office hours relationships. Now I was flying to Miami on the red eye and I asked Nick, I'm like, what day's Blaine coming on office hours, the TV show. And I'm not even sure that uh, with the transitions that we've had on our team, anyone reached out, but uh, hopefully you'll reach out to Nick. He's he's the new guy. Uh, We got November and December uh, dates for you. Uh, so hopefully you can uh, come on in. And we still do give the Unstoppable Award winner uh, each episode of Office Hours. We have the Unstoppable Entrepreneur uh, from one of our big guests, whether it's Cameron Diaz or Deepak Chopra or Blaine Bartlett. Uh, it doesn't matter. We are in support of that great organization. Speaking of which, the reason I did the show and, and this show with you is I would get an MBA for a day. Every time I sit down with you, and that's through the takeaways that resonated with me. What was the takeaway that resonated most with you today?
1: You know, the idea of, um, I'm still hung up on the business barnacles. Uh, Yeah, I figured, yeah, that was great. I mean, it's just like, you know, know, I'm, you kind of. He attempted to use that as kind of the anchor for the takeaway here. But the idea, you know, the idea, you know with, with Gravy Stock and you know, th- this literacy, you know, and, and when William was talking about uh, the unicorns um, and then with Lauren, you know, the, the migration away from or the move away from the soul of, of, of what got me started to begin with, all of that speaks to states of being. yeah. You know, it's not what I do that makes a difference in my life. It's who I, it's who I be. And that's the takeaway, I think, with all three of these guests for me today. And, and and part of it's, you know, I just came off of two days working with his family office. Um, you, know, you know, we're moving into the next generation. And a, a lot of the conversation was around the relational dynamic. Who are we being with each other that allows for the transfer to take place in a healthy way? And that transfer can be wealth. It can it can be idea. It can be uh, the transfer of value, the transfer of financial literacy. Who am I being that, bec- that, that allows for that to be accessible, that makes a difference? And now that's kind of an abstraction, but that's kind of where my head went today. Um, it's, people get wrapped around the axle, I think, a lot when they start paying attention to how do I, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, you know, you got to do stuff. But it's, how, you know, who do I need to be to have the future that I say
0: I want? Who do I need to be? And that's that's the takeaway for me. Well, I thoroughly uh am excited by that takeaway, and it is relative to the one that I had, and it's understanding inheritance to create a heritage. Uh and in that inheritance, it's just not financial, which Scott Donald uh talks about. Uh it's also habitual, uh, mm-hmm. which William talks about. And then of course it's in the execution, which Lauren facilitates as well. And so understanding what's my genetic energetic and financial inheritance and how can I utilize Scott and William and Lauren in order to facilitate a longer heritage. And we see it around the world today with the atrocities that are going on. Uh, What have you inherited in the form of hate? and how are you gonna create a heritage of hate or a heritage of peace or a heritage of love? And one of the components uh, that I'd like people to at least consider or raise their awareness is just plain forgiveness. Uh, No matter who you are and what you believe, uh, start with forgiveness and create a heritage of forgiveness. And I believe you'll find Uh, Whether it's uh, in life, business, relationships, you will find peace and ease and success of a heritage of happiness, passion, purpose, and profitability through forgiveness and gratitude. I'm so grateful, Blaine, to have you here. Uh, You take your time. It's so valuable. I hope more and more people reach out to utilize Blaine. BlaineBarton.com. He's my number one mentor. He's uh, number one in my Playbook, and In My Heart. Blaine, I will send Las Vegas for filming soon, but I'll see you next week. I'll be there. I will. I promise. <laughs> I will see you soon. Thank you. Enjoy Miami. You got the color for it. I Exactly. I'll be here eight hours and then to San Francisco and then home. So thank you very All much. Right. It's been quite quite a long month this week for ben Bartlett yeah. and me. Thank you so much, Blaine. You bet, buddy. Take care. See you next week. Uh, I will. You got it. All right, everyone, we are here in Miami. Meet up today, 3 p.m. at Turnberry. There it is, uh, it, right outside the King Ballroom. Come on at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And then tomorrow, I'll be in San Francisco downtown at the Westin St. Francis. And uh, that's right in Union Square. You can't miss it. That's straight up noon. Uh, noon is 12 p.m., not 12 a.m., noon, lunchtime. Come and join me uh, there for that meetup in San Francisco at the St. Francis weston in union square if you need a book if you want to come to friday training it'll be there live in san francisco free over 24 years now we've been doing free friday trainings free books i send them i sign them i pay for shipping pay for a book i'm on a mission to empower over a billion people to be happy to make more money help more people and have more fun that's what blaine does scott does williams lauren does we're all on the same mission help us email me david at dmeltzer.com. Remember, most importantly, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. We'll see you hopefully later today, if not tomorrow. Peace.